Do you think about joining a homeschooling co-op, but you aren't sure how you can contribute? Are you fresh out of ideas for a co-op class? There is good news. You can easily create a class that you will love to teach and will be fun for kids too. And if you're hesitating because you don't feel like you have anything to give, let me tell you, mom, you do. Share your knowledge and gifts. You have something to contribute. Hey moms, welcome to another episode of the Life Unboxed blog show where we talk about all things momtrepreneur, from raising your kids to running a business, and the most important, keeping your sanity. I am Jody the Mom from lifeunboxed.blog. If you're enjoying this content, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, and drop a comment below. If you're listening to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast with your friends, and leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. This really, uh, doing these things really helps to support the channel, and I truly appreciate uh, getting your support. So remember, I would love to hear your questions that you just can't seem to get answered. Joining a homeschooling co-op offers great social opportunities for kids and moms alike. And if you need more ideas on social opportunities for kids, I will leave a link uh, below that you can check out another video that you can watch. So there are two types of co-ops that I have participated in. The first one is parents volunteer to run and teach the homeschooling co-op. This is what we, um, my kids and I currently participate in. Or for a higher cost, a few parents teach and you can drop the kids off. So since I am a second generation homeschooler growing up, this was a style that we participated in. And sometimes the second style is the best choice for you because, um, let's face it, sometimes as a mom, you just need a break. But if you're part of a parent-led co-op and you've thought about teaching a class, this is a step-by-step -step guide from start to finish on how to do it. So as I mentioned, we are a part of a parent-led homeschooling co-op, so all the parents participate. And we have been doing that for five years now, and we all enjoy it. So the kids made friends, and so did I. So I have been teaching an art class for about three, year, three years now. So other parents who've helped in the class were inspired by this format that I'm going to give you and applied it to a class that they wanted to teach. So I had one mom who helped uh, with the art class, because that's what I teach, and took that and applied it to a science class, specifically a class on space. So took the same format that I did for the art class and applied it to a science class. So even though I'm going to give you the specific format that I use for my art class, it can be easy, easily applied to other classes because it's been done before. But if you're wondering or searching um, and looking for a co-op in your area, someplace to get plugged in, I will leave you another link, um, and that's to the Homeschool uh, Legal Defense Aid. So I never can remember what that A means, but hslda.org has a list of co-ops by um, 
location. So I will leave that link for you below. Okay, so we've talked about the kind of two different types of co-ops, and maybe there's more. I've just never participated in any other kind. Um, and so if you're ready and willing to just step into teaching, the first thing you want to do is to choose the topic for your class. So the first thing you want to do, like I said, choose a topic, decide what you want to teach. And I am a firm believer in teaching something that interests you. So there are a few reasons for this. You need to be interested in what you are teaching. So co-op classes should be fun and interesting. And I think they should be like the extracurricular classes. So all the classes that uh, maybe mom in your home, you just don't have time for, or even like the resources to buy a whole bunch of art supplies, for example. So the co-op really allows you to kind of pool your money for a little bit, um, just a little bit of money on your part. And the kids have access to just tons of art supplies that you would not have been able to, um, maybe buy on your own. It was just not economically feasible for you to do that. So anyway, so that's my sidetrack on why I think they should be interesting extracurricular, extracurricular classes. But the sky is the limit on what you teach. So pick a topic that you find interesting. You will be excited about teaching it and your excitement will come through to the kids. So as I mentioned, I teach an art history class. So two of my favorite things are art and history. And I am going to tell you this. I am not an artist. Okay. I could get away with drawing stick figures. All right. That's my level of expertise, but I love teaching this art class. So art history is a perfect fit for me. I'm excited about teaching it. I enjoy reading up on it and it is, so it's fun to prep for it during the week. If you aren't excited about your topic, it will come through in your prep and teaching. So remember, have fun with your class. All right, so let's get down to some of the nitty gritty. Okay, let's talk about the format for the class. And there's a sample schedule on my screen. And you can download this same schedule from the show notes um, on the website, lifeinbox.blog. And of course, the link will be below. But let's just, I want to go through this and explain um, to you what I do as I teach the class. So I will, this is the same schedule that I use for every single class. The only thing that changes is the artist. And I actually change out the artist every semester because I want to learn something new too. And it also, the kids know because, um, you know, we have a lot of the same families in the co-op. They know that if they do want to take the art class again, it's going to be new artist. So every semester, new artists, every week, new artists, but same exact format. The class time I have is 50 minutes. So for the first 20 to 25 minutes, we do the history side. And this includes reviewing the artists that were already taught and introducing the new artist. So I usually have flashcards um, of paintings that we took a closer look at. And so 
I will review all of these paintings with the kids um, every time. So we review and we review and we review. So they recognize the movement. They recognize the artist. And they recognized um, the name of the painting as well. So there's only five per artist, so we keep it kind of simple. But, you know, by the time you get to eight or nine artists, by the end of the nine weeks, you know, it's a lot of paintings to look at. So once we review um, the artwork and the artist from the weeks before, I will introduce them to the new artist, and then I will read that story. So I typically use Getting to Know the World's Greatest Artist by Mike Venenzia. So he also has books. I went ahead and I wanted you to see all the books that he has. So he has books on composers, inventors, and the presidents. So you could easily um, take one of these books, pluck it out, and use it for your um, your co-op class. And I will leave links to all of these, all of his series uh, below. These books are great for kids. They are well-written and they are fun. And they're also, there's a lot of humor in them too. So they're not boring at all. I have also written my own story if there is an artist that I want to teach, but I can't find a kid-friendly book. So I wanted to do Mondrian and I could not find a kid-friendly book on his life. So I got an adult book um, and I have a bunch of art books too that I will pull from. And I wrote my own story for the kids on Mondrian. So that was fun telling, <laughs> explaining to kindergartners his philosophy on art. So while I am reading the story, the kids cut out the artwork that we will take a closer look at. Now, I will say this for my, because I usually do kindergarten through second grade, and then I will do third grade through sixth grade with this class. So... When I do kindergarten through second grade, I actually have everything cut out for them. The third grade to the sixth grade, I have them cut it out. So I also add um, a lot of activities in the lap book so the kids have something to do while I'm reading. And if we happen to encounter any downtime, there are extra activities. So this is the lap book on the screen. And you can see the cover is, and I'll change up the cover too. Um, for different for different years and stuff. So the cover is easy to color for the kids. I have um, coloring books that I will add. So I don't do I don't create because I create these coloring books. So I don't create them for every artist. I only create them for about three. But for the other artists, there's also puzzles in there of um, a famous painting that we looked at. So there's tons of activities in there for the kids to do while I'm reading. So they can color or cut while I'm reading. And I find that the kids who can occupy their hands are better listeners. So that's why I like to have a lot of um, activities or just, and they're simple. They're not difficult activities like coloring the cover. You would actually be surprised how many weeks these kids will work on just coloring the cover of their lap book. So it's great to have. So after the story is finished, there are usually five famous paintings that we will uh, take a closer look at. And so these are printed on paper like flashcards and they're printed in color. And so we'll talk about the name of the painting and any other significant facts 
like Monet painted his famous water lily garden hundreds of times, which was not mentioned in the story. So that's something that I did from my, I found when I was doing my own research. And so I like to insert other interesting facts that may not have been mentioned in the books as we go through the different paintings. So while we are talking about the paintings, the kids glue the artwork into their flip books, which will then be glued into their lap books. So you can see uh, in the image center image there, the that is their flip book, and the names are already printed on the flip book, and they match the painting that they cut out to the um, page on the flip book. So usually what I do is I'll go through the five famous paintings, I'll show them, I'll tell them their name, and then I will have them glue it in. So that just ensures that they glue them in the right spot and everyone is kind of keeping pace with each other. So once that's done, so once we've completed our first 20 to 25 minutes, we put the lap books away and we transition to the art project. So since it is an art class, we use a number of mediums. So whether we use acrylic paint, watercolor pencils, by the way, watercolor pencils are a ton of fun. Uh, soft pastels, oil pastels, watercolor paints, or clay. Uh, we've also used um, plaster. Let's see. I'm trying to think. We've, uh, we've cut out paper and used that as our medium. So uh, once we transition to the art project, they will spend the remainder of the class making their amazing creations. And sometimes the instruction is to just create some magic. And other times I will have them copy one of the artist's works. Uh, it's always, and it's always great when parents recognize the artists we've been studied, studying based on the kids' art. So here are a few pieces on the screen for the listener. So I don't know if you can recognize Vincent Van Gogh, his sunflowers. And we have Andy Warhol. Uh, and what I did is I painted their hand, the kids' hands, uh, with the blue or the red. They got to pick the color, so I painted that first. They put them on the paper. They washed their hands off. They came back, and I painted them black, and they did their handprint over it. So that was a lot of fun. And then we have one of Degas' um, horses underneath there. And actually, what I did with that one is I made my own stencils for them to trace around so they could get the right shape and proportions of the horse. And then they created everything around it and colored it and um, did the shadow there as well. So after we've done all of that, so it is a jam-packed class, I have the kids clean up. And for me, I think it's important uh, for them to take responsibility for the, any messes that they have made and they help clean up. Now, I will be totally honest, it does cause more work for me. It would be so much easier if the TAA and I just cleaned up, but I do feel like, especially when it comes to art, because it's such a a messy uh, subject sometimes, that it is important for the kids to uh, clean up after themselves and learn how to take care of the paintbrushes and put the paint away, you know, all those types of things that are important when it comes to art. So that's my class that I teach. But if art isn't your forte, 
here are some other ideas that would work with the same format. So the first idea is stem tales. So, and I'm totally stealing this from my sister. This was her class that she taught. So I am stealing it from her. So the idea for this class is you choose a fairy tale, like the three little pigs, you read the story and then work on a project. So the project could be building a house uh, out of different materials like popsicle sticks and then testing it to see if it can withstand the big bad wolf. And a hairdryer is a great way to uh, try and blow the house down. So for all the projects, you can use the engineering design process for the STEM part of STEM Tales. So that's what my sister did. She kind of simplified it down to about five steps. And I'll leave a link so that you can see um, what the whole design process is. But uh, you can definitely simplify this, especially if you're teaching elementary students. Um, so simplify this process down and apply it to their projects. Did it withstand? What could you do different? How You know, different things like that. You can make... Um, you can make... Uh, pasta bridges. There's so many things that you can make and then stories that you can tie uh, to it. So again, you have your story, then you would have your project or the teaching and then a project. So the next class, the next idea for you is Lego building. So you can use a book like the Lego ideas book for your project ideas. And of course, I'll leave the link below. So you can you choose a project from the book and then give a little history about it. So if you want them to build a monument or you want them to build trucks or whatever it is you want them to build. So give a little history, then let the kids build. Or you can split the class up a bit differently. Let the kids build for the first free build for the first 10 minutes, transition to your topic, then have the kids build the project. So this is another class of Again, if art isn't for you, but you're thinking like, I do want to teach, I just need some ideas, these are some great ideas for you. So two more ideas. So the next would be to teach composers. Since Mike Venenzia also has books on this topic, you can easily teach a class on great composers. You can substitute music clips for the artwork flashcards, and you can create a lap book for the composers you're teaching. Finally, going, we're going to shift back to science, and there's all Mike Venenzia also has a book on inventors, so you can do the exact same thing uh, if you want to teach inventors. Instead of an art project, you can substitute it for a science project from, and whether you mimic one of the inventors' projects or, you know, try to. Um, come up with something different. You can still do the the history side and then do the project. So I hope that this has given you just so many ideas for a co-op class. Uh, I really, the whole point of this was to really help you banish any hesitation and to get the ideas flowing. So you can teach a homeschooling co-op class that is fun and exciting to teach. So let me know the class you've decided to teach in the comments below. 
I am so glad you joined me today. Uh, again, be sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel. This is just a huge support. I cannot uh, express to you how big of a deal this is in helping to really support the channel. And remember to check out the Life Unbox store for all of your mom boss merch. For more great entrepreneur content, follow Life Unbox on social media, check out lifeunbox.blog, or download the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to share the podcast, website, and video with your friends. And I will see you in the next video. Thank you.